Hey, this is Jamie from Stonemeyer Games, and today I'm excited to talk about a topic that I've been thinking about for a while, and it kind of started with a recent play of Ark Nova, but then I realized that there are lots of recent examples that I want to share with you. Um, and specifically, I'm going to talk today about intrinsic motivations. I think I've realized that I am an intrinsically motivated player when I play tabletop games, and that means that uh, I the, the things that I pursue when I play a game are things that are interesting or cool or beautiful in, to me. Like they're personally interesting to me to pursue in a game. I'm also trying to win games in general, but I'm more intrinsically motivated. In general, an intrinsic motivation is something that's personally rewarding, important, or compelling to you, and it's often related to autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Now, this is in contrast to an extrinsic motivation, which is something that, say, the game tells you is important. Like if a game tells you that there are victory points and those are important, or if a game tells you, here's your goal, you must accomplish this goal, or if the game says, uh, you will lose the game if you don't do this. Those are extrinsic motivations opposed to intrinsic motivations when you are compelled to do something because it is personally interesting or important to you. Um, I have a lot of examples that I'm going to give today about this, and I think I will spend maybe the most time on Arc Nova because I think Arc Nova does this in a really interesting way. But one of the most recent examples is I was playing Wingspan, and it was near the end of the game of Wingspan. I was doing, I think, pretty well in the game. It's a little hard to tell in Wingspan if you're winning or not, but I was having fun. I was doing well. And I saw this little bird pop up in the bird row near the end of the game, the snow bunting. And I just thought it was the cutest little bird. I've seen this bird before when I've played, but uh, at that moment it was a snowy day in St. Louis and I was just like, I really want to play that bird. And so um, I didn't even really do the math to decide if this bird was the right bird to play. I think I wanted wheat in the game. I had a goal that made me want wheat. And so there was a little bit of a motivation there. And I saw there were five points. I, I, that was nice, five points. But it also had a once between turns ability, which is not very good at the end of the game when there are very few turns remaining. <clears throat> Mostly, I just thought it was a pretty bird that I wanted in my collection for the game. And so I was motivated, not by the game, but by my own personal preference here to pursue this bird. I, I got the bird. I took an action to get the bird. Um, I went out of the way to play the bird. And I think it was one of the last moves that I did in the game of playing the snow bunting. And it felt so good, so rewarding to be able to do that. Um, and there are multiple things that went into this. Again, I'll talk about it more in Arc Nova. But uh, when you play a bird in, in Wingspan, you have to get the food. You have to actually get the bird. There, uh, You have to make sure the habitat is available in terms of how many eggs you have to spend. Um, all these steps that you take. And so there were these steps that I had to take. I couldn't just say, I want that bird and I immediately have it. I had to go through these steps to get the bird. And that made it really satisfying when it actually played the snow bunting. So this was entirely an intrinsic motivation and it felt really good to do. And I ended up winning the game. But at that point, it was irrelevant. I had played the card that I really wanted to play. This also happens to me when I play Red Rising. I'm going to start off with a few examples from Stillmeyer Games. Let me move this aside here. Um, and I actually do this. I do this all the time in Stillmeyer Games. But part of that is because I know these games really well. Like I was just looking over here. I saw Rolling Realms. And Rolling Realms, sometimes I just say, I really want to complete this difficult realm this game. I want to try to get six stars from it, even at the sacrifice of other realms. I won't go too deep into that here because the example I have for you is Red Rising. In Red Rising, there are certain cards that are, uh, I would just say, more interesting than others to complete. Like there, there are some like standard cards that say, if you have this character at the end of the game, you get an extra 10 points. But there are also cards like the Musician. The Musician says, if I can get this to focus, um, I'll just read it out loud. If not, it says at the end of the game, 
gain 32 victory points, which is a lot of victory points in Red Rising, if the core value of each of your cards is an even number. Let's see if I can get that to focus finally. Uh, I can't get it to focus, but that's what it says. You'll have to trust me on it. If the core value of each of your cards is an even number, and that's referring to this number up here at the top of the card. This is a unique endgame condition. I don't think there's any other card in the game that does this. Maybe there's one for an odd number, but it is kind of a unique, weird thing to pursue in the game that uh, that can be somewhat difficult. You have to really construct your hand around this idea. And thinking about this made me realize that one of the key elements of intrinsic motivations is having something distinct and unique about the things you want players to pursue. Um, and I think Red Rising does that pretty well. Not with every card, but with many cards, they have a, a weird thing about them. It's maybe a thematic hook, and that's part of the intrinsic motivations also in Red Rising. If you love the books as much as I do, sometimes a character just pops up and I'm like, I want that character in my final hand. I want that character in my crew. But sometimes it's also a unique, weird ability like the one in the musician. I want to try to solve this difficult puzzle because it's interesting to me, not necessarily because it will give me the most points at the, at the end of the game. So that idea of uniqueness in Red Rising uh, really stands out to me, and I've seen that in other games as well. A quick example here, actually, let me say this other example. Uh, this is a game that I don't own before I forget it, and that is in, uh, in the game Space Base. I was just playing Space Base the other day on Board Game Arena, and uh, I wasn't winning. I don't think winning was really in the cards for this game uh, in terms of victory points. But again, intrinsic motivations are about feeling like you've won something even without having the most points or meeting the win condition. Um, and the card popped up in Space Base, and this goes into the unique element, unique kind of outlier cards. There's a card in Space Base that popped up that said, uh, you win the game. If you can meet this condition, if you can get three tokens on this card, you just win the game automatically. And I always love when this card pops up uh, and I, I took it. It didn't really make all that much sense for me to take it. I had a few abilities that could help me get tokens over there or help me largely um, manipulate numbers on dice that I rolled, but it went into the 12 slot on Space Base. And so it's difficult to get I would have to do quite a bit, and there weren't that many turns left in the game for me to pull it off. But I wanted to try, and I didn't end up getting it. Uh, I, I mean, I got the card, but I didn't accomplish that goal. I think I had two tokens on it. I needed one more token on it, before, and someone finished the game. But it felt really good to try, just to go for it. Um, and I, again, it was kind of a weird, unique outlier card that, uh, that was almost designed for people like me, for people who want something uh, that is... Uh, in, in a, a, a kind of an interesting challenge, uh, an intrinsic motivation in, in the game of, of Space Base, even though it may not always lead to a victory. Um, so I thought that was, that was a fun example. Dog Park. Dog Park, I'll show this as a quick example. Dog Park is, is, is a recent game from 2022 where there are a ton of unique dogs in the game. And I find myself when I'm playing Dog Park, sometimes I'm going after points. Sometimes I'm going after uh, the, the category goals that I really enjoy. But sometimes, I mean, look at all these cards in the game. There's so many different dogs in the game. Sometimes I see a dog and I just think it looks interesting or adorable. Um, and this is kind of almost the cuteness factor that maybe is related a, a little bit to Pokemon. I haven't played Pokemon in, in any form, the video game, the card game, uh, any, of those, any of those digital forms. But I wonder if part of the appeal of Pokemon isn't necessarily getting the most powerful Pokemon, but getting the most, the, the most adorable or the most interesting looking Pokemon. And I think that is part of my motivations when I play games like Dog Park or when I play games like Wingspan. I'm looking... Uh, sometimes I am motivated by cuteness. I think that is a reasonable motivation, a reasonable thing to be motivated for that people can design around. You can design around cuteness if you want. You can 
and add cute, interesting, or, and sometimes uh, I keep saying the word weird, but it, things that look a little bit different. Like if you're going to have a bunch of, of, of dogs in the game, um, make sure they don't all look the same. Like have a bunch of interesting looking dogs that are, that are unique from each other to make them interesting for players to go after. So that happens in Dog Park. It also happens in Everdell. Let me see if I can pull out an example in Everdell. Uh, I am often intrinsically motivated in Everdell to build certain buildings. And oftentimes, they are the more difficult buildings that I think look really cool. Let's see if I can find one off the top of my head. Uh, one of the more difficult ones. Um, the castles one. So yeah, this is one. I like castles in games. I just like the idea of owning castles. And so even though the castle is fairly expensive, if I can get the castle, I'm probably going to try to play the castle, even if it doesn't make sense to me in terms of victory points. There are a few others. Here's another castle. Um, there are definitely some cards that are a little bit more difficult to complete in the game. Uh, the queen, the queen, the queen requires five berries. She is a little bit more difficult to play. And I think this is a, in a, the part of intrinsic motivation and focusing on here is difficulty that sometimes there are, um, you can include fairly difficult things to complete or build or add to your tableau and uh, you can make them powerful in terms of gameplay. Like you can put a lot of victory points on them if you want. Um, that usually makes sense if you have a higher cost of something. But just simply by making something more difficult and also making it uh, rare and interesting and compelling to actually play um, can, be, can be a fun motivation for me uh, when I'm playing a game. And Everdell, I think, does that well. As I'm talking about this, I think Magic the Gathering actually does that pretty well. Magic the Gathering has some cards that are very difficult to pull off. People build decks around certain cards in Magic the Gathering. And uh, even if they're not winning decks, they can be interesting decks to play. And they can feel really good that one time that you get that certain combo to, to, uh, to, to trigger. Um, I should be taking more notes about these games that I mentioned so I can include them in the comments. So I mentioned Magic here. I also mentioned um, oh, what Space Base and Red Rising. A few more to mention before I get to the big one, Arc Nova. Uh, Sleeping Gods. Sleeping Gods is one that I, that I think about a lot as I'm designing my open world game. Sleeping Gods is a wonderful open world game where the game really does not give you much direction at all. It kind of just says, you're gonna be playing this for about 18 hours, 18 hour, 15 to 18 hour campaign. Uh, there is a timer to the game. Um, do what you want, go what you want. Look at this map and decide what's interesting to you. I think that is one of the coolest things about Sleeping Gods. Now there are goals in Sleeping Gods. You, as you travel around, you pick up quests. It's a, it's a largely a quest motivated game. Yeah, here's the map here. So you always have this map on the table. Um, and, and the game lets you go to these places. Uh, even though you have these goals. So you might have a goal that really hints that you should go to the Blood Rock up here. You can do that if you want. That is the game telling you this thing is important. But Sipping Gods leaves it open enough that you get to decide, and you get so many goals and so many quests to, to pursue in the game, that you get to decide, to decide which quests are interesting to you. Or you can even ignore the quests altogether and just say, um, this, little, this little cove looks interesting. What is going on in that cove? I want to go to there because it looks interesting. And I think this is a visual-related uh, uh, element of intrinsic motivations. When you, so I talked about things looking adorable earlier. In an exploration game, in a game where you're moving around, where you're sailing around, um, I think having things, giving players things that they can see and a way that they can get there um, 
makes a, makes for a great intrinsic motivation. It include compelling weird things. So if Ryan had made all these different islands look pretty much the same, it wouldn't have worked. But because he made interesting little hot spots on all these different islands, and each island looks a little bit unique and distinct, um, he makes them interesting for you to decide that you want to go there because it's interesting to you. Now is a good time, I think, to mention uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. So this is a video game. There are two video game examples that I want to mention here. Zelda Breath of the Wild is an open world video game that I've played very little of, but I have researched it quite a bit in researching my open world game. And you do have a goal in Zelda Breath of the Wild. I'll just call it Zelda from now on. Your goal is to, uh, I, I believe, go to the, the, the main uh, mountain um, and, and defeat um, the big bad guy. So that, that's your goal to, to, to accomplish in the game. Um, but the game leaves doesn't say you have to do that within a certain amount of time. You can do that whenever you want. And the game is wide open in terms of where you go and what you decide to do. And one of the really interesting things that Zelda does, um, Zelda Breath of the Wild specifically, as it relates to Sleeping Gods, is that, uh, and it's a little different than what I said with Sleeping Gods, Zelda Breath of the Wild shows you a wide, a vast array of interesting things that you can go to. Um, and you're using your eyes. It's not the game saying this is an interesting thing. It is a visual thing in the world that you are looking at and saying that looks interesting to me. The puzzle in Breath of the Wild is how you actually get there um, and the little adventures that you have along the way. And I think that is really, really interesting. There's a little bit of that in Sleeping Gods. Um, sometimes there's a little puzzle of like what's the best way to get there. But in general, you can get there. If you see a place, you can sail over there. You can get there. Um, opposed to Zelda Breath of the Wild, where you can see these interesting things that you can decide are interesting and motivating to you. And the puzzle that emerges from that, the difficulty that makes, uh, that gives you a payoff when you actually get there, is uh, how you actually get to that place. If it's a place high up on the mountain, how do you actually get there? And the other game that does this well that I haven't played at all, but again, I've researched it quite a bit, is Elden Ring. In Elden Ring, there it's a vast open world, and uh, there are many different places uh, up in the sky, down below the, the earth that you can get to. Um, and some of them you can see and, and say, how do I get there? How can I, how can I get there? Some of them you can't see, you have to discover. The game is encouraging you to decide that discovery is important to you um, and, and, and venture into these places to discover more and more and more. And part of it too is Elden Ring is a Souls-like game. And so there are a lot of very difficult bosses and, and characters that you encounter all the way that you can, you can fight if you want. And so sometimes some of these barriers that you encounter are actually things that are actively trying to kill you as well. Again, what I'm getting at here is that it, pairing the idea of seeing something interesting with a, with a puzzle, um, some steps of difficulty, multiple steps to actually get there, um, can be really satisfying if you pair those things together. And the last example I'll share before I get to Ark Nova in relation to that is Lands of Galzir. This is also another open world quest related game. Um, I've still only played one session of this, but I can't wait to get it back to the table. And it is very much a multi-step quest game. Uh, you have this big map, big map out here on the board, this big board that you can move around fairly freely. So the puzzle again, isn't how you move. It is, uh, it is how you accomplish each step of each quest. Um, and normally quests are again, extrinsic motivations. If the game's saying this quest is important, you must complete this quest. That isn't the case in Lands of Galzir. You are given quests, but the game doesn't tell you you win or lose uh, by completing a quest or not. It's entirely up to you if you want to complete, if you want to pursue a quest, if you want to pursue part of a quest. They, they uh, kind of evolve card by card. Um, and you get to decide which quests are actually interesting to you. And the example I have in the, in the game that I played is I had a core character 
quest. Every player has a core character quest. But I got a side quest pretty early in the game that was related to a race. And I was a sprinter in high school. I, I, I love sprinting. I love running. And so completing a race was interesting to me. It was an immediate intrinsic motivation. I want to get my character to run this race and compete in this race and do well in this race. And so that immediately became my top priority. I wanted to complete this quest. Again, I didn't know if I was going to, well, we were playing cooperatively. I didn't know if it would help us win or lose the game. I didn't care about that. All I wanted to do was complete this quest. And the game, I, and this is, I think, a crucial element to, to these uh, quest-driven games and games that feature intrinsic motivations, is that the game showed me how to do it. Um, I, I knew the steps that I needed to take to, uh, to do well, to complete that quest. And it walked me through it step by step. You need to do this thing. And once you do this thing, then you can get the next step in the quest and so on. So uh, there was a, a level of clarity as to how I could, could complete this goal. Um, and really certainty that I could complete it. The game wasn't obfuscating whether or not I could complete the quest or not. I knew I could complete it. I didn't know exactly how long it would take, but I knew I could do it. Let's get to the the the, uh, the, the elephant in the room, um, Ark Nova. And I'll see if I can pull an elephant card out of here. So the Ark Nova is a game that I really really love, and and I love it so much that I whenever I play it, I'm like, I, I often think about what makes this game so special. Why am I connecting so much with, with this game? And I think a big part of it is that the game uh, can be driven by intrinsic motivations. It is really set up and designed to let players decide what is important to them. Um, and a lot of that is through the design of the cards. I'll pull out some examples here. Uh, there are so many animal cards in this game, so many different animals that you can, that you can pursue. Um, and like I've described earlier, some of them are unique. Some of them are expensive. Some of them involve multiple steps to be able to play them. Um, I'm, I'm going to try to find like a, a, card, a very difficult to play card so, to use a, as an example, because I think Ark Nova does that particularly well. Um, but I think what Ark Nova does really, really well is that it pairs this intrinsic motivation of, of uh, difficulty and clarity. And uh, here's, here's one. Here's a giant panda. This is worth a lot of points. So here's a giant panda. Uh, difficulty, clarity, and... Um, and really autonomy, the ability to actually pursue these goals with extrinsic motivations, which are points and ongoing abilities and other things that feel good. And so there are even like mechanical motivations in this game. Not only am I motivated to play this panda because it looks adorable or because it's difficult. Uh, it, it costs a lot. There are multiple steps, multiple things that I need to do before I need to play it. But also because the panda gives me these ongoing um, abilities and the panda actually is an example because it gives me no on actually actual like printed ongoing abilities the ongoing things that it gives me are up here from now on i have these tags that can help me play other cards and so by default every card in the game gives you these tags that become steps for you uh or they become check marks on checklists for you to complete steps to play other cards as well and in addition to that it's paired with the intrinsic elements, the points that you can get that on an ongoing basis also give you more income. The conservation, which is another version of a, a victory point in the game, which also moves you towards some special one-times benefits. And um, uh, re reputation, I believe, um, which can help you in other ways in the game. So it's pairing all these things together into one really great package uh, for intrinsic motivated players like me. Let's see if I can find one other card, maybe a difficult complete card with, a, uh, with an ongoing ability. 
because I think uh, this is one of the things that Arc Nova does really well. These these cards that you're getting, maybe that's because it's a really expensive card. Um, these ongoing abilities are are really fun. So there might be a, an ability that's, that I see, and I think that ability just looks fun to have for the rest of the game. Um, or in the short term, here, here, here's one that isn't ongoing, but it is difficult. You need all these America's icon, icons. When you play it, uh, you get... Um, I'm forgetting all the actual terms for Ark Nova today, uh, but you get a ticket for each American icon in all zoos, including the two that you have up here. Um, so it's, it's an instant ability. It is an ongoing ability, so it's not the best example. But the point is that there are interesting cards to complete, and order of operations matters. Even if they are an engine building, the timing of when I play this card really matters because I'm getting that extra uh, a ticket for every America's icon in the game, I want to make sure I maximize that. And there is a maximum here. There's a maximum of eight. So I want to make sure that I play this card at the right time so that I can uh, maximize the, 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 the points on this card. This is the game telling me that points are important, but it's me saying this ability is interesting to me to complete, to maximize, to optimize. That is interesting to me. I want to pursue that. Uh, so let's see if I've covered everything for Arc Nova. I talked about the multiple steps, the built-in benefits, their one-time benefits, ongoing endgame benefits, um, the fact that points aid income and victory. They do this dual task here. They're not just giving you points. They're also improving your income. Um, order of operations, timing. Oh, the discount. I forgot to mention the discount. There is a, a token that you can get in the game that gives you a discount whenever you play a card from that area. Um, so if I have, uh, let's use an, another example here. Um, if I have, where's, where's another example? Okay, so if I want to play the giraffe and, uh, and I already have the Africa tag, the, the tag token, then playing this card costs me $3 left, less. So it's another uh, a little step that you can take to make something a little bit cheaper. Um, and also the idea of like little mini collections emerging in Arc Nova, where if I play one bird, suddenly uh, birds become more interesting to me in the game. Uh, and this is the game telling me that sometimes there are certain cards that say like, you know, gain this extra benefit based on how many birds you have. Um, there are a few different cards like that. There, there are conservation cards that say free a bird into the wild and you can, you can gain uh, some extra conservation right now. So there are reasons the game is saying birds can be important to you, but you are deciding to play this bird and you are deciding if you want to play more birds as well and if that wants to be important to you. If you want to have a whole uh, aviary in your or a preserve in your zoo of birds that, uh, that, you're, that you're showcasing, that is something that the game is allowing you to do, allowing you to pursue, and is also rewarding you if you decide to pursue those rewards because they are additional cards that you need to get. So yeah, this, this realization about Arc Nova really, really helped me. And one of the things that I think is great about, about Arc Nova is that there is a level of, a high level of clarity as to how you accomplish these goals. When I need to play the panda, I know how I can play a three value enclosure. I know how to get this money. I know um, where to get these other icons, these tags, so I can actually play them. These are all transparent. There are steps that take time. There's more and less efficient ways of completing these steps, but... Um, but it is clear to me how I can accomplish those steps to be able to accomplish this goal that I decided was important to me. So this clarity paired with uh, an interesting goal, um, I think is, is quite important. 
I've rambled on for a while now. I don't know if I, I really have any distinct conclusions about this, but I just wanted to examine the whole idea of intrinsic motivations and things that maybe you can keep out, keep an eye out for and that I can keep an eye out for as a designer to give players permission to pursue the things in the game that are interesting to them while also rewarding them um, in terms of the extrinsic motivations that we decided as a designer are important for you if you want to achieve victory in the game. The balance of those th two things is very difficult, but I think Ark Nova is a fantastic example, as are these other games, of pairing the two together, pairing those intrinsic motivations with uh, the extrinsic motivations of how to win or how not to lose. So yeah, those are my thoughts. I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. What makes, uh, what, what types of things, uh, especially if you have a specific example, um, are interesting to you to pursue in the game for personal reasons, uh, whether it's something that's cute or, or, or just important to you personally. Um, let me know in the comments below what your example is that comes to mind. Um, or let me know in the comments if you are not at all an intrinsically motivated player, if you are only motivated by the things the game tells you are important. I'm curious to hear that perspective as well. Yeah, thanks for your thoughts. I really look forward to the, to the conversation in the comments below. Thanks.